All right, we'll say good morning. I apologize in advance. We're going to have to stop a little bit early today. as Baruch of a bris that I have to attend. But, um, but well, we'll make good headway today. So we're going to start on the top of Zayin Amadav, right? That's what you got, you got into Zayin yesterday? Okay. So we'll say, if you remember again, the Gemara is focused on trying to interpret and understand a statement of Rav. Rav made a very, what appeared to be at first a simple statement, but as in fact turned out to be quite a complex statement, where Rav said, that an egg, when it comes out, when it comes out of the mother, when it comes out of the hen, nigmara, it is complete. It is complete. And the Gemara is struggling to understand what exactly that means. So the last, the last approach of that, the last approach of that is the Gemara suggesting that that when an egg is laid by the hen, so that means, again, it has the ability to go ahead and become fertilized and therefore, again, hatch chicks itself as opposed to an egg that's found inside of the mother which does not yet have, bless you, which does not yet have the capacity to be fertilized. So the Gemara says the following. Let's pick up, let's pick up with... Um, Oh, yeah, this story. Good, fine. Let's pick up last four words on Vavum and Beis. Kiahu, the like So the Gemara tells a story. So remember again, the Gemara says, who cares? What does what the statement of Rav matter? So the Gemara answered, it matters for Mekah Memkar. It matters ultimately, again, for transactional purposes. The Gemara tells a story. Kiahu, the like an individual who said to another, Be'i Depachya, the man Yahuvule, who has. Literally translated, who has eggs from a cackling hen to give to me? And I will say, what does that mean from a cackling hen? The guy wanted to buy eggs that were, that were laid by a live chicken, by a live hen. So who has freshly laid eggs? Okay, so the Gemara says, what happens? So what happens? Somebody sold him eggs, but it turns out that they sold him eggs from a chicken that was shechted. So somebody had shechted a chicken, they opened up the chicken, they found eggs in the chicken, and they sold him those eggs instead. So they came. So now again, remember. So the purchaser, the purchaser wants to avoid the transaction because the purchaser says, "Look, at the end of the day, I wanted to buy." Eggs from a live chicken. He sold me eggs from a dead chicken. So he wanted to avoid the sale. They brought the case before Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Ami said it's a fraudulent sale, or to say it's a mistaken sale. And therefore, I'm going to both say any situation of a mekachtos. Mekachtos means I think I'm purchasing A, but in reality, the seller sells me B. That is grounds to void the sale. When we void the sale, it means again, money goes back to the purchaser, item goes back to the seller, and shalom That's obvious. Meaning again, I both say, obviously it's a mechachtos. The guy said he wanted to buy eggs from a live hen. He was sold eggs from a shechted hen. So obviously, again, it's a mechachtos. It's a voided sale. So Mara says, no, no, no. What would you have said? That Israel will say, see, I, the reason we assume also that the sale is voided is because why did the guys want, why did the, why did the purchaser want eggs from a live hen? Because the Pashtas, he was interested in raising chicks. So therefore, again, if you only, if you get eggs from a live hen, do those eggs have the ability to become 
fertilized and then could then hatch eggs. So the Gemara says, well, you might have thought the following. I might have thought that in reality, no, he just wants eggs to eat. The guy wants to make an omelet. That, that's what he wants. I, so if that's the case, why did the dafka ask for eggs from a cackling hen? Why did the dafka ask for eggs from the live chicken? And the only reason he asked for these type of eggs from the live hen was why did Srivan Rashi says, because again, the egg that is laid is more mature, more fully developed than the one that is found within the mother. So it's not that he wants to actually raise chicks. It's just that he wants a fully developed egg. But at the end of the day, it's all for consumption purposes. So the Gemara says, So what would be the ramification that if he was really only interested in eggs for consumption, that one in fact would be the ramification of eating these eggs, eggs from the cackling hen versus eggs, versus eggs from the shechted hen. So the Gemara says, lemeis of lei, ubeni. See, I might have thought that since at the end, I might have thought like this, if his intent was really only to purchase eggs for consumption, and he just wanted eggs from a live hen, because those would be a little bit more mature, those would be more fully developed, and he was sold eggs from a shechted hen. So I would have thought the, the, the legal, the halachic resolution would be what? That the seller should refund the amount of money, the difference between the value of eggs from a live hen versus a shechted hen. Therefore, the Gemara says, Kamashlan, Rabbi Ami says, no, it's a mekachtos. Kamashlan, the Rabbi Ami, on the other when the guy, when the, when the purchaser wanted to purchase eggs from a live hen, what he was really wanted to do was what? He wanted to raise chicks. Therefore, when he gets the eggs from the shechuta, from the shechted hen, which cannot be fertilized, what he, the, the, uh, the whole reason for the purchase was voided, and therefore, halacha lamaisa, the sale itself is voided. Another case, there was another individual who said he wanted to buy who has I'm sorry there was a guy who was going around and saying who has literally means literally means a male so what it means is fertilized eggs so he's asking, who has fertilized eggs for sale? Who has fertilized eggs for sale? So the Gemara says, So Yahavulei beid safna me'ara. They went ahead and instead he was sold, the seller sold him, we'll say it literally means eggs that were fertilized from the ground. We'll say apparently in, in hen physiology, there are two ways that the hen, that the hen um, lays eggs. The idea is that the hen only lays eggs after stimulation. So stimulation could occur in one of two ways: either either a rooster, either the male, the male chicken, or it rubs itself against the ground and causes and then lays the eggs afterwards. So that's the lashon of be'i safna me'ara means again literally eggs that were fertilized from the ground, which means the hen rubbed itself against the ground and laid the eggs like that. So what happens? So again, so this person wants to go ahead, wants to go ahead and purchase fertilized eggs, and it turns out that instead he got, you know, natural, natural laid eggs. So, so once again, this, the purchaser comes before Rabbi Ami, no, I didn't get what I wanted. Rabbi Ami says, okay, the sale is voided, sale is voided, the, sell, the purchaser wanted to get fertilized eggs, instead he just got regular laid eggs, and therefore again, so Gemara says, and therefore he commanded the purchase, the seller to refund the money to the purchaser. Sigmar says again, Pshita, that's obvious. Well, what I have thought, because you also remember the whole reason he would have asked for, for, for fertilized eggs was because he wanted to raise chicks. So I might have thought the following. 
Now, maybe in reality, the purchaser did not want to raise chicks. He also was only purchasing these eggs for consumption purposes. I, if that's the case, then why did he ask for fertilized eggs? So apparently, again, apparently fertilized <laughs> eggs are shaminatve. They're bigger. They're literally, shamina means fatter. Right? right? They, they have more nutrition in them. Therefore, again, therefore, the mainaf kamina, the meiswala baini baini, and therefore perhaps the only thing that the seller should have to do is what? Is refund the purchaser the difference in value between fertilized eggs and non-fertilized eggs. Kamash no. Kamash that halacha lemaisa, when the purchaser says that he wants to buy fertilized eggs, it's clear that his intent is what? What does he want? He wants to raise chicks, and therefore, again, if you give him non-unfertilized eggs, lemaisa, again, it's a mekachtos, and the sale itself could be voided. Vibay seima. Well, and I think Mark gives another interpretation of the statement of Rav. Maybe when Rav said, that, that when an egg comes out of its mother, it's fully finished. Maybe what that means is the following. What does it mean that when the egg comes out? When the, when the egg comes out, it's finished. Well, this is very interesting. It means that once the egg, once the majority of the egg comes out, then it's considered as if the egg itself has already been born, has already been laid. So the Gemara says, and what does that mean? This is an interesting case. If you have an egg, if you have the majority of the egg came out of the mother and Erev Yomtov, the Chazra, and then what happened? And then for some reason, the egg went back into the mother. So the halacha is, muteres la'achla biyomtov. You would be permitted to eat that egg on yomtov. So we'll say, what's that case? So erev yomtov, again, the majority of the egg comes out of the mother. Then it, for some reason, retreats back in. And then on yomtov, it comes out again fully. So that is not called a beitza shenol biyomtov. That is not called the egg that was born on yomtov. Why? Because since the majority of the egg came out on erev yomtov, it's as if it was already laid on erev yomtov. And therefore, again, halacha lamaisits, therefore, it's permissible for consumption on yomtov itself. That would be the statement of Rav. The Ika da Amr, others say, Ma'im yitzi asa Others say, no, 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 what does it mean when Rav said that it, when it comes out, it is completed? So, perhaps what Rav was saying is, no, it's only once the egg emerges fully is the egg considered to be complete. And therefore, again, it's only once the egg fully comes out is it considered to be a full, a full-fledged egg, But if the majority of the egg comes out, it is not considered as if it has been born. And this would come to exclude the position of Yochanan. So we'll say two different versions as to what. According to the first version, Rav actually subscribes to the view of Rabbi Yochanan that as long as the majority of the egg came out on erev Yom Tov, it is as if the egg has been laid on erev Yom Tov. Therefore, when it really fully comes out. On Yom Tov itself is permitted for consumption. Or, second approach is that, no, what Rav is actually coming is to, is to exclude, is to argue on the position of Rabbi Yochanan. That as Rabbi Yochanan says that the majority of the egg comes out as if it's born, Rav actually holds that the entire egg must come out in order for the egg to be considered laid. So the Gemara goes weiter. Gufa. It's a very interesting case. If one shechts a chicken... One shechts the chicken and finds fully formed eggs inside. It is permitted to eat those eggs with milk. Permitted to eat those eggs with milk. Now, I will say the logic behind that particular statement seems to be what? Seems to be that lemaisa, again, fully full fledged eggs are already considered to be separate and independent of the mother, and therefore they're eggs because they're eggs. Lemaisa, again, I'm sorry? With the shells, fully fledged eggs, correct, correct. You're permitted to go and eat them with milk. Reb- 
Good, that, that's why it's a kasha. Correct, correct. Gufa, gufa means the Gemara is raising a question. Correct. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, Im begidin asuros. And we'll say Rabbi Yaakov comes along and says that if, is actually interesting, Mu'uros begidin literally means if it was covered with connective tissue. But I will say, what this, is, what this is Dafka referring to over here is, if the eggs were covered with connective tissue, which means that they're still connected to the ovaries of the chicken. Right? So, I don't know why you'd want to eat it with milk or eat it for at all after seeing all this. But all right, in any event, so you go ahead and you see it again, surrounded by the connective tissue uh, and still connected to the ovaries. So, Rabbi Yaakov says that literally, if it's covered with the connective tissue, still connected to the ovaries, you may not go ahead and eat it with chalav and eat it with milk. So the Gemara says, man tana lahad the tana rabbanan. So we'll say, see, here's what we have. So you have over here that if the eggs are fully formed, not connected to the ovaries, then it appears that the eggs are reckoned as a separate entity and therefore can be eaten, consumed with milk. Rabbi Yaakov qualifies, and that's only true if they're not, if they're not covered with connective tissue. If they're covered with connective tissue, then essentially, then what are we saying? We're saying they're part of the chicken. Once they're part of the chicken, then what? Then what? You may not eat it with milk. You may not eat it with milk. So the Gemara says, Ma, okay, so now hold that. Now, So now the Gemara is going to quote another Braissa. If one goes ahead and eats from the carcass of, of an oftar, of a kosher bird. Now, I'm say, listen to this. We're talking about a kosher bird that died without shechita. That's what's called a nevela. So it's an interesting halacha. Actually, if you look at Rashi, nevelas of tar, it's almost right across in Rashi. The way a nevelas of tar works is the following. If you touch it, you do not become tummy. The only time you become tummy is how? Is if you eat it. Is if you eat it. When you swallow of tummy, the clothing that you're wearing becomes tummy. Coming to this is special din by Nevelas of Tame. So again, one more time, look at Rashi. So Nevelas of Tame goes in and conveys Tuma to the person who eats it. To convey Tuma to the clothing that you're wearing at the time that you swallow. The Nevelas of. I'm sorry, it's lost to the place. There is no tumor that is conveyed by simply touching or carrying it. So we'll say, okay, so now the Gemara is going to say here, that's the halacha of the Nevelas of Tami. The Shaila now is, what parts of the Nevelas of convey this tumor? So the Gemara says, for example, if you go ahead and you eat of the Shalal Shalbetzim, I'm going to say, what does Shalal Shalbetzim mean? Take a look at Rashi. Mina Shalal Shalbetzim, Kishen Kevushin Ushlulin Ukavuin Beshedra, Kilomar Haochem Haochel Osam Betzim Baodan Urim Begidin. So what's that Shalal Shalbetzim means? Eggs that are still covered with connective tissue and are connected to the ovaries. So if you eat eggs that are connected to the ovaries, or minha atzamos, or you eat from the bones of the bird, or minagidin from the sinews, or for that matter, you go ahead and what? You eat from, from, let's say there was a piece of bird that was separated from the bird before the bird died. So if you eat that piece of meat, in all these cases, tahor, in all these cases, say you are tar. So what do you see from here? You see from here that eggs that have covered with connective tissues connected to the ovaries are not a what? Seem not to be considered part of the bird. Right, because we also remember again what we're saying over here. These are all these things that we just mentioned over here: the 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 eggs connected to the ovaries, the bones and the sinews. If you eat if you eat from them, you do not become 
tummy, which again would seem to indicate that is because they are not considered to be part of the bird. Yet, mina eshkol shalbetim, and I will say eshkol means the ovaries themselves. If you eat the ovaries of the bird, or mina kurkaban, the crop of the animal, of the bird, from the kishkas, or you took the fat of the bird, you melted it down, and you drank it up, so the halacha is tame. In all those cases, you are tame. Because they will say, why? Because in those cases, you're mamish eating part of the bird itself. So the Gemara says, Who is the opinion who holds that if you eat eggs that are connected, that are connected to the ovaries, you are Tahor. I'm Rav Yosef Tilok Rabbi Yaakov. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Rabbi Yaakov. Why Rabbi Osai? Diik Rabbi Yaakov, because Rabbi Yaakov said what? Ha'omer im hayu mu'uros begidin asura. So what did Rabbi Yaakov say before? Rabbi Yaakov said that if you shech the chicken and you find, you find the eggs covered with connective tissues, connecting it to the ovaries, that what? You may not eat those eggs with milk, which means what? which means what? That they are part of the bird. So Yaakov holds that when you find eggs connected to the ovaries, they are part of the bird. The Bryce just said over here that what? If you eat eggs connected to the ovary, what's that? Locha? You are tahor. You are tahor. You are tahor, which means what? That it's not part of the bird. So the Abayi says, no, 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 no. That's not necessarily true. Dilma Adkan Rabbi Yaakov Hasam El Remember, you are contrasting or you're comparing two different cases. Rabbi Yaakov is commenting on a case of what we'll call Isser. The Bryce is talking about a case of Tumah. Maybe for Isser purposes, Rabbi Yaakov holds that eggs connected to the ovaries are considered to be part of the chicken, but for Tumah purposes, they're not part of the chicken. So the Gemara says, So I, but one second, but why? Why don't you say the same way that eggs connected to the ovaries are considered to be part of the chicken for Isser purposes, i.e. that I can't eat it with chalav, they should also be considered to be what? They should also be considered to be part of the bird for tumah purposes. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi because we are dealing over here with rabbinic tumah, we, we remember this is all rabbinic because Oh, because we're dealing with rabbinic tumah, we try to the best of our ability to limit the proliferation of rabbinic tumah. I will say, now the reason for that is, look at Rashi, v'chi teima le'inyon tumah nami nigzor, dele'tama midrabana kehecha de'gazrina le'inyon isura, afushe tumah de'ika hefsitara. So, say, here's the interesting part. As much as it's tempting to say that you should be more machmir with tumah, there is a downside to being machmir with tumah, and that's what? that should, should, let's say, this come in contact with taros, should this come in contact with, let's say, ritually pure sacrificial items, it would make those items tame as well. Making sacrificial or taros, taros items tame, is a very serious thing. Therefore, what would appear as a chumrah on one level could actually have negative ramifications elsewhere. So actually, it's interesting. When it comes to being machmir, let's say that we're going to treat the eggs like the chicken itself and therefore not eat it with milk, that we're willing to do. Why? Because the truth is, there's no downside to that. But being machmir by tumah, which could then lead to the proliferation of being metame other things, actually does have a downside, especially when you're dealing with sacred items. So therefore, we are not willing to proliferate tumah. Therefore, even if Rabbi Yaakov were to hold that the eggs that are connected with the ovaries cannot be eaten with milk, but Lamais again does not mean what? That he would automatically say that they should be metame things as well. So the Gemara Sadiqidami, others say, Mantanamina Ashko Shabitim, Tame. Who is the opinion who holds that when you find the eggs connected to the ovaries, it is tame? 
In this Amri, there is another ver- the, the second version is, according to this approach, there is an opinion who holds that when the eggs are still connected to the ovaries, they do convey tuma of nevela sa'of. And then the Gemara asks, and whose opinion does that reflect? That's Rabbi Yaakov, who holds that if the eggs were connected to the ovaries, you may not go ahead and eat it with milk. So how do you know, Rabbi here's what's interesting. We made the assumption before that when the Gemara said, it referred to eggs that are attached to the ovary. Maybe it doesn't refer to eggs that are attached to the ovary. Maybe Maybe it refers to the ovary itself. So what the Gemara is suggesting over here, the verbiage in the Bryce that the Gemara quoted before is that if you eat of the Eshkol Shalbetzim, Eshkol Shalbetzim sounds like eggs attached to the ovary. So the Gemara says, maybe it doesn't mean eggs attached to the ovary, maybe it means what? The ovary itself. So the Gemara says, well, what's the Chiddush? Obviously, if you eat the ovary of the chicken, of the, if you eat, the, not chicken, that doesn't mean chicken, if you eat the ovary of the Nevelas of Tahor, of course you're going to be tummy because you're eating part of the, of the, of the oaf itself. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 I'm sorry? It's an Avelas of Tahar. No, you become Tame, but it's an Avelas of Tahar. It's an Avela of a kosher animal. So the Gemara says, why should, cons- why should consuming this particular piece, why should consuming this particular piece be any different than consuming the crop or consuming the kishkas, the b'nei me'ayin, the intestines, the afagav, the basar ninhu, kevan de ika inshi de lo achli, itzrich la'ashmainan. Ha'chenami kevan de ika inshi de lo achli, itzrich la'ashmainan. So we'll say, here's the interesting part. It's not like we're suggesting, by the way, that eshkol, that eshkol does not mean eggs attached to the ovary, but rather what? It means the ovary itself. So we'll say, what's the chiddush of telling me that if I eat the ovary of an avelas of tar. Again, remember, we're talking about an avela, right? The carcass of a kosher bird. So if you eat the carcass of a kosher bird, you become tame, or so your clothing becomes tame. And the Bryce is coming to tell me, oh, and what's included as part of the kosher bird? The ovaries. What's the chiddush? Of course, the ovaries considered to be part of the kosher bird, to which the Gemara says, no, 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 because it's comparable to the crop and the intestines. What does that mean? Both said, these are parts of the bird that people don't normally eat. So because people don't normally eat it, I might have thought that therefore, again, they don't have status of the bird, and therefore if you eat it, you should not become Tameh. Kamashulam, because it is an edible part of the bird, Lemais, again, it is reckoned as the bird, and therefore if you eat it, you would in fact become Tameh. Tanarabonam. So we'll say, okay, so now we, we go weiter from that. Tanarabonam. Rabbi says an interesting idea. The Bryce says anything, any any species that cohabits by day gives birth by day. Any species that cohabits at night gives birth at night. Any species that cohabits by day and by night, no could give birth by day and by night. Slimar so gives examples of all of these. What's an example of a species that cohabits by day and therefore gives birth by day? Zotarnagolas. Chickens. Chickens. Any species that cohabits at night gives birth at night. What does that mean? What does that refer to? Zotalef. Bats. Bats and and any species that cohabits both by day and by night gives birth by day and by night. Who does that refer to? Adam, people. 
And Rabbah say anything. And again, obviously, these are only examples. These are not meant to limit to these specific examples. But again, anything else that fits into these categories. Amar Mar. So remember again the example of a species that cohabits by day and therefore gives birth by day. Zotanagolas. Who cares? I mean, it's a very interesting fact, right? I guess it's in good dinner conversation. But uh, you know what? What, what exactly? What, what's the ramification of this? So the Gemara says, said the following. But we'll say interesting case. If you looked, if you looked in the chicken coop, right? You, you, you looked in the nest, you looked in the chicken's nest on Erev Yamtuv, below Matzah Babetza, and you did not find, you did not find an egg there. The next morning you are out at the crack of dawn, and what do you find in that nest? You find an egg, Muteres. The halacha is its mutter. Now, I both say, why is it mutter? Because we assume that what? We, one thing we know for sure, which is the chicken did not lay that egg overnight because chickens don't lay eggs at night. I'm there at the crack of dawn, so there's no way it happened today. Therefore, by, my power of deduction tells you that when was the egg laid? Yesterday. And therefore, again, it's, it's a beta shenolda on Erev Yamtiv. Therefore, it's permitted for you seeing this. says, what does that mean? How can that be? I checked the nest. Right? I was there. I was checking the nest on Erev Yamtiv. I didn't see anything. You didn't do a good job, right? <laughs> Meaning, the, the, the egg was there, right? It's interesting. What, what we both say, by the way, I just want to tell you something. It is such an incredibly, it is such an incredible, this is a very important Gemara for one's humility. You know, people think that their perceptions define reality. It's not true. There's reality. I, and it doesn't, your, the reality doesn't stim with your perceptions. Fix your perceptions. <laughs> Fix your perceptions, right? So again, you think, oh, you didn't find it yesterday. You didn't look well enough, but the Messiah says it was there. So the Gemara says, So or furthermore, the other possibilities, maybe you did check, okay, you did a good job, the egg wasn't there, but what happened? The majority of the egg came out of the mother, then went back in, and I both say this to be effective with the Rabbi Yochanan. What does Rabbi Yochanan hold? That when the majority of the egg comes out, it says, if the egg has been born, and therefore even if it retreats back into the mother, when it comes out the next day, that's not considered to be a Beit Tashnal Gobi Yomtev, rather it's a Beit Tashnal Gobi Erev Yomtev. Si'ini, is this true? V'ha'amar Rabbi Yossi ben Shol, Amarav, Badak b'kanash tanagolas ben Erev Yomtev, v'lo matzvah beitzah. But yeah, we have another statement in the name of Rav. And what does Rav say? If you checked the chicken coop, you checked the nest on Erev Yomtev, and you didn't find an egg, u'lamachar hishkim u'matzvah beitzah. The next morning you got up, you got up early and you were looking for an egg. Asura, the halacha is that it's asur. The halacha is that it's asur. So the Gemara says, hasam, no, no, there's, here's the difference. Hasam bidesafna me'ara. There, Paul say, if you remember again, we spoke about there are two different ways that the chicken lays the egg. Either, again, it's stimulated from the earth or it's stimulated by the rooster. So apparently when we say that a chicken doesn't lay eggs at night, that's, that's fertilized eggs. That's fertilized eggs. Eggs that, that come from stimulation with the rooster. But again, if it's stimulating itself on the ground, then the mice, again, those eggs can be laid at night. So, if that's the case, I both said then before, remember, what did Ramari say? Ramari said, if you check the egg on a coop on Erev Yom Tov, there was nothing there. You come back in the crack of dawn on Yom Tov morning and there is something there. We assume that's what? That it was there the day before. Why doesn't Rav Mari also take into account that Lamaisa maybe it was just an unfertilized egg that can be laid? 
late at night. Oh, because why? Because what's the case? There's a rooster around. Right? When there's a rooster around, we assume that what? That the chicken, that the chicken is going to only lay eggs from the rooster and not, again, stimulate itself against the ground. So the Gemara says, Wherever there is a rooster around, the hen is not going to lay eggs based on uh, stimulating itself against the ground. So the Gemara says, This is actually interesting. So how close does the rooster have to be that we assume that the chicken laid the egg as a result of the rooster? This sounds funny to us because Lamaisa. Because the mice say you get your eggs from the supermarket, right? But it's not so funny if it's yomtiv and you need eggs, right? Suddenly again, this is not like a chuckle chuckle. There's a rooster, ha ha ha, fertilizing, you know, right? right? But suddenly again, this is lemaisa. Do we have breakfast? Do we have breakfast? Or or, or don't we have breakfast? So the gemara says the shama kali biyamama. So here's the answer. The halach is amud beis. I'm not taking any comments on this gemara, right? The shama kali. You could send me an email. The shama kali biyamama. So the gemara says. The Gemara says, hey, how close does the rooster have to be? It has to be close enough that you hear it. Uh, what does a rooster do? I guess it crows, right? You hear it crowing during the day, meaning that it's close enough that you'd be able to hear its voice by day. Rashi points out that says something very interesting. Sound does not travel as well by day as it does by night, which, is, which makes sense because, again, there's less interference. There's less stuff going on at night, so sound travels farther. <laughs> so it, the rooster has to be close enough that you would hear it by day. So if the rooster is close enough to the hens that you can hear the, the crowing of the rooster by day, that's close enough proximity to know that any of the hens in the area will only lay their eggs from that rooster and not ultimately, again, by stimulation on the ground. So again, this is a major nafkamina. And, and understand, Chazal speak about these things. They sound foreign to us, but they knew the behavior patterns of, of chickens because again they, they were doing these things so again if there's a rooster in some level of proximity then we assume that the chicken would rather lay its egg from the rooster and not from stimulating itself against the ground which then means again if I find the egg at the crack of dawn on on Yom Tov morning that means what? That egg was there the day before. Either I didn't check well enough, or the majority of it came out, but then went back in. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara just told so this happened to Rav Mari. <clears throat> and there was a rooster within 60 houses of the hen. And again, Rav Mari assumed that even that is close enough proximity to assume that the eggs were laid as a result of the rooster and not again as a result of stimulation against the ground. Vi'i'ika nara. Now, I will say, the Gemara just tells us a couple of more interesting rooster facts. Vi'i'ika nara, if there is a river in between the rooster and the hens, I guess... Uh, the rooster's not crossing the river. He's not crossing the river. You know, whatever, as interested as he may be, he is not crossing the river. So if there's a river in between the rooster and the hens, he's not crossing it. We'll find hens on the other side. However, if there's a bridge, then avra, then the rooster will in fact cross over. However, just understand that any bridge, if it's a rope bridge, lo avra. Rooster, rooster is not crossing a rope bridge to go ahead and get across to the hens. So the Gemara says, oh, by the way, we actually know there was a case where the rooster did cross the rope bridge. So apparently, again, it depends on the rooster. So I'll say now, now, and also, again, remember, 
like I said, in all seriousness, we, we chuckle about it, but understand that Lemaisa, this has actually, the, the behavioral patterns of the chickens, Pashit does have a halacha Lemaisa ramification, and absolutely has a major ramification on Ochel Nefesh V'yomtov. So the Yomara says, Bamayo Kimta. So now, how did we establish this case? Rashi says, Bamayo Kimta, Lidi Rabbi Yossi Barab Shol. So also remember again, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi ben Shol was the one, was the second opinion on Amud Aleph who said that if you checked the coop, you checked the nest on Erev Yom Tov and you did not find an egg in the nest and you came back tomorrow morning and you found eggs again, the halacha is that the egg is oser. He, arg- he argues on Rav Mari in the name of Rav Kano. So, so, so how did we establish this case? It must be that what? That the chicken is laying an egg as a result of what? Stimulating itself against the ground. Meaning that apparently a chicken will only lay fertilized eggs during the day, but a chicken will lay unfertilized eggs at night. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, so who cares if you check the nest on Erev Yom Tov? Ki badak nami, nami. The truth is, even if you even if you didn't check, the Allah is the same. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Ki lo badak imam me'es mohavi. No, because if you didn't check the nest at all, even, even Rav, Rabbi Yossi ben Shol would agree that Lamai said, if you did not check the nest at all, that perhaps you could assume that the egg itself was laid on Erev Yom Tov. So what I'm saying over here is the following. The only time that Rabbi, the only time that Rabbi Yossi ben Shaul will say that the egg is Asran Yom Tov is when you checked before Yom Tov and it wasn't there. But if you didn't check before Yom Tov, then Lamaise again, we could assume that the egg was there. We could assume that the egg was laid on Erev Yom Tov. Now why is that? The Gemara says, Ihachi, kibatak nami, sorry, um, I lost the place. Mm-hmm. I, but if that's the case, then why don't you assume that even if you did check it, why don't you say that it's a case of where the majority of the egg came out and then retreated back into the mother? And I'm also again like the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan holds that when the majority of the egg comes out, again, it's considered as if it's been born. Because Rabbi Yochanan, again, that case of Rabbi Yochanan is not shriach. It's not common. It's not common for a chicken to, for the majority of the egg to come out and then for it to go back into the mother. That ends the sugya of the that ends the sugya of the majority of the egg. We will discuss. We'll go back, by the way, and discuss all of the halacha lemaisa in just a little while. Well, actually, not. A little, we'll do it tomorrow, Mir Tashem. But that ends the sugya. Now, once the Gemara quoted the opinion of Rabbi Yossi ben Shaul, the Gemara tells another another one of his rulings. And what's the other one of his rulings? Hi, tumas shechika. Tumashikirabosa means liquefied garlic. If you have liquefied garlic, sakanta ligiluya. Sakanta ligiluya means we'll say that it has a sakana of gilui. Gilui, we had this before. Gilui means that there are certain liquids that you cannot allow to remain uncovered overnight. There was a fear, ultimately, that a snake would come to it, inject its venom into it, and if a person were to consume it, the mice could go ahead and put a, put, put a person in mortal danger. So here you have Rabbi Yossi ben Shol saying that this Isser of Gilui also applies to liquefied garlic. Okay, it has absolutely nothing to do with anything we're learning. The only reason Yomar is bringing it up is because it's another statement of Rabbi Yossi ben Shol. Okay, weiter. So we'll say now we're transitioning again. So tomorrow, you'll watch the email. We may actually start a little bit earlier tomorrow so that we could do, we could type some of the halacha lemaisa from these, from these circuits. Because now we have effectively come to the end of the, of the egg sugya. 
of the egg sugya. So now the Gemara says, now we transition to the next machlokas in the Mishnah. What was the next machlokas? All about schametz. So remember again, Beishamai said, Beishamai said, Soor bekezayis, Soor bekezayis, that if you have, that Soor means, I will say, like a, we, we translate it as sourdough. Sourdough, that the, the shear of sourdough is a kezayis, and remember what did Beishamai say? And chametz, the chametz itself, meaning a leavened item, was kokoseves was the size of a large date, which is a little bit less than an egg. And Basil said both Soor and Chametz, the shear for both of them is Kizayis. So the says, my time I the Beishamai. What is Beishamai's logic? So we'll say here's what here's what Beishamai is picking up on. The Torah phrases the prohibition of Bayira Bayimatse of consumption of, of a possession for 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 Soor and Chametz. I mean the Torah mentions both Soor and chametz. So Beishama is intrigued by this. You didn't need to state both. Why don't you just say the following? Let's Torah just phrase the prohibition by chametz itself. You don't have to even speak about sa'ar. And I would have said, I would have said that chametz, that literally chimutzo kasha also means it doesn't have, a, it's not a strong, it's not a strong leavening. Now what does it mean that it's not a strong leavening? But say the chilik between chametz and sa'ar is what? They're both chametz. What's the chilik? What's the difference between them? Soor has the ability to make other things chametz. Chametz itself is chametz, but can't create chimutz and other things. So I'm going to say the following. If you're already telling me, that's what it means, chametz that doesn't have a strong chimutz. Strong chimutz means you can't make other things chametz. And yet what? And yet it's asr bekizayis. Soor shechimutz That's certainly soor that can make other things chametz. Certainly again, it should also be Asr Bekezayis. So therefore the Gemara, the Gemara says, Soor de Kasev Rachman Alamli. If that's the case, why does the Torah have to state Soor separately? Lo mar lecha, shi'uro shazeh, lo kishi'uro shazeh. So according to Beishamai, the Torah could have just said, could have just said Chametz. And by telling me that Chametz is Asr Bekezayis, I would have known for sure that Torah is Asr Bekezayis. But yet the fact that the Torah has to instate both of them indicates to us what? That they have different shi'urim. And therefore says Beishamai, the shi'ur for Soor is with the Kizayis, and the shear for Chametz is a Koseves. Ube Silo, so according to Beisilo, Tzrichi, no, you have to write both, Torah had to write both Soor and Chametz, why? Because of Rachmana Soor, because had the Torah just phrased the prohibition, this is all about possession. By Soor, Hava Amino Mishum Dechimutz Akasha, I would have said the reason why you can't possess Soor is why, because Soor is very powerful and that it can make other things Chametz, Ava Chametz De'in Chimutz Akasha, but I might have thought that Aloha Lemaisa, when it comes to Chametz, which itself, is chametz, but can't make other things chametz. Perhaps there's no prohibition against possession. Therefore, tzricha. Therefore, the Torah must state both of them explicitly. And furthermore, had the Torah just said you can't possess chametz, okay, I would have understood that. Why? Because it's fit for consumption. Therefore, you can't possess it lest you come to what? Lest you come to eat it. But soor itself, which is not fit for consumption, perhaps there's no prohibition of possession. Therefore, tzricha. Therefore, you need both. And Beishamai clearly doesn't hold the Rabbi Zera. What does Rabbi Zera say? Dam Rabbi Zera, Pasach hakasav b'sa'ar v'siyem b'chametz. The Pasach begins by talking about sa'ar and ultimately ends, concludes with chametz. Lomar lecha, zeu sa'ar, zeu chametz. Because Rabbi Zera says, why does the Torah begin with sa'ar and with chametz to teach you that what? They're the same, which would also be reflective of the, the view of Beis Hillel. Beis Hillel holds both chametz and sa'ar are reckoned, are reckoned the same way, that they're both asr b'kizayis. 
So the Gemara says, so therefore, Beishamai clearly doesn't hold the position of Rabbi to which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Le'in achila kuli amalo pligi. Now both say, you have to distinguish between what we're talking about over here. When it comes to consumption, every, no one disagrees. Now what does that mean? That when it comes to achila, look at Rashi, le'in achila kuli amalo pligi, Rashi says, da'afilo Beishamai modu, say when it comes to consumption, even Beishamai agrees that everything is Asr Bekezayis. So when it comes to consumption, Beishamai and Beishamai are on the same page that you may not consume a Kezayis of Chametz or Sa'or. And if you do so, what happens? You Chayiv Kores. Chayiv Kores. Keeply, when do they disagree? In beer. I will say literally when it comes to beer, beer means destruction. But I will say again, when we say destruction, what that really means is possession. Right? How much, how much chametz, how much chametz are you not allowed to possess? What is the shear to make you in violation of bal yiroah, bal yimata? Which is another thing. How much chametz do you have to have to actually? How much do you have to destroy? Let me kind of, when I say have to, you have to destroy any amount, what it's saying is how much, how much, how much chametz would you, how would you have to actually possess, meaning that you did not destroy, in order to be in violation of the prohibitions of bayiroa. That's the machlokia says. Keep legal in your beer. Beishamai savri lo yalfinon beer meachila. Beishamai says that we do not learn out the criteria for possession from the criteria for consumption, and therefore again the criteria for violation of consumption. Beishamai agrees is what is a kizayis, but the criteria for possession depends on soar versus chametz. Soar is going to be a kizayis, chametz is going to be a koseves. Ubeisilas or beisilas says no. Yafinan beur miachila. And Basil on the other hand holds that we learn out the criteria for possession from what Rabbi say, from the criteria for consumption. It's Marnami Amr Rabbi Yossi Barchanino, Machlokes Le'inyan Beer, Aval Le'inyan Achila Divreha Kol Zeh Vezeh Bekezayis. And Rabbi Yossi, again, we just have the statement of Rabbi Yossi who supports the same idea. The Machlokes Yashayim Basil is only regarding possession. When it comes to Achila, both agree that the Isra Achila is Bekezayis. Tainam Yachri Yavabaisa that supports this. Velo Yira'e Lecha, here the Bryce says it explicitly. That when it comes to Bayiroya, when it comes to Bayi Motzah, that is the Machlokis between Besham Basilal. Shebeshama Erbosa, remember, Bayiroya, Bayi Motzah are the prohibitions of possession. The prohibitions of possession. So that's where Besham Basilal have the Machlokis in possession. I'm sorry, because when it comes to possession, Beishamai says that you're, the Isser of Sa'or is with a Kizayis, and remember, Sa'or is like the sourdough has the ability to make other things Chomets, that's a Kizayis, but Chomets, just Stam leavened material, that's Koseves, or Beishamai say, and Beishamai hold that both Sa'or as well as so, or as well as as well as chametz are both pikesayis. So, also, obviously, we pass in like beisilah, and therefore, again, we learn out the isurim of possession from the isurim of achila. And just like the isur da'oraisa of achila is a kezayis, so to the isur da'oraisa of possession is kezayis as well. All right, well, so we're going to have to stop over here. I, I apologize. Emir um, we be, we're going to begin tomorrow morning at five forty-five. So begin daf at 5.45, Emir Hashem, finish daf, and we'll also do the halacha lemaisa for the other sujahs. <laughs>